From the Technology Association of Iowa, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Waller, with my co-host, Molly Ross. This podcast will provide an exclusive look into technology-focused legislation during the 2021 session at the Iowa State House. We will speak with state lawmakers and Iowa technology companies from various industries on specific tech legislation, what it means for Iowans, and how it may impact tech companies across the state. The Iowa Tech Policy Podcast is proudly presented by Shazam, a member-owned debit network, processor, and core provider that believes community-based financial institutions strengthen and improve local communities. Learn more at shazam.net. Additional support provided by Davis Brown Law Firm and Google. I'm here with Senator Dan Dawson, who represents District 8 in the Iowa Senate. Senator Dawson, welcome to the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me here this morning. Uh, great opportunity to uh, share a neat little bill with you all and everything. So, yeah. Well, we appreciate it. For our listeners who may not be aware, where in the state of Iowa is District 8? So District 8 is Western Iowa. It covers uh, all of a little town called Carr Lake and about two-thirds of Council Bluffs within Pottawatomie County. So uh, this is my second term in the Iowa Senate. We serve four-year terms, and I am chairing the Ways and Means Committee, which is all things taxes here in the state. So a lot of responsibility, but uh, I get to definitely do some other things as well, which is uh, the bill we're talking about here today. Yeah. Speaking of, you introduced Senate File 29. Can you tell us about the bill? Yeah. So to talk about the bill, I kind of want to talk about their uh, origin of the bill to begin with. Uh, my first couple years here in the Iowa Senate, I was assigned to the Justice Appropriations Subcommittee. And that you're looking at a lot of uh, uh, criminal justice departments and their technology requests that were coming in. The overall budget request, I started looking at some of these technology requests. And I noticed a few of our departments, the like one in particular was had a request in for a backup server. This was a rather large department here in the state government. And I was really shocked that uh, the information they were storing on there did not have a backup server, nor was using an alternative, you know, for backup server, uh, a physical one, which was, you know, a cloud option. Uh, and that was the same for a lot of these other departments as well, too. It seemed to be kind of replacing as they uh, go a little bit. In my day job, I uh, work for uh, the state police agency as well as I am the reserve and the army reserves. And uh, from a criminal investigative standpoint, I have uh, some knowledge into cybersecurity. So when I'm getting these large multi-million dollar requests coming in from our appropriations subcommittee for these different departments, it really alarmed me a little bit as to uh, where the lack of conversation was on, you know, how can we provide more security in the information that we house because ultimately the information that these state agencies are housing is Iowa residents, taxpayer information, personal information, things along those lines there. And when we have entities that were running without a backup server, uh, you know, or just some basic things, and it seemed kind of like a status quo type environment there, it really caused some concern as to how do we better upgrade our technologies and safeguard our technologies here in the state of Iowa. So uh, last year, or about a year and a half ago, I started looking at this because uh, those appropriation requests were becoming somewhat frustrating, uh, not breaking the dynamic. So what I did is I created uh, the Senate file here, 
And what I'm trying to do, and it's a kind of a two-part bill is how I would describe it primarily. The first part is that when a when the OCIO gets ready to upgrade a system here in the state, the premise being that they should look at the cloud first. Now, not every state system uh, that would be appropriate to migrate data over to the cloud or the applications there. Uh, but, you know, there's some very small, small departments. It would probably wouldn't be cost effective, nor is the information stored on there that critical. It's not attached to, you know, an overall network or something along those lines. But there's a lot of departments there that, you know, if we understand the premise that, you know, to secure Iowans information, the cloud is probably your gold standard out there. For the OCIO, when they're going through these uh, RFPs for these new systems, they'll at least consider that. And if they don't use the cloud, then at least provide some justification. Uh, that's the first part of the bill. And the second part of the bill, one of the things I noticed with the state is that a lot of times we don't upgrade systems. Uh, we have many legacy systems out there. And those legacy systems never are upgraded until they absolutely have to be. It's just not serviceable anymore. So what I really want to make sure is that we don't have systems that just go stagnant out there for all these years. And was to basically require an inventory of all of our state systems uh, to give legislators a better idea as to what is currently on the cloud, what's not, and as opposed to just finding out about something four or five years down the road when there's a breach in security. And then we have to ask questions. Why was this never you know, in a platform that might have been more secure or whatnot. So those are kind of two big components of the bill is inventorying our information, our information technology systems, as well as when we purchase new ones, at least explain the purchasing process if we don't use the cloud so we have a better understanding of how we came to that decision. Thank you for that description. That's really helpful. It sounds like a prioritization there on um, safety and security and the cloud and transparency in the state systems. Are we, am I tracking? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, in the end, we're responsible, like any other business or company out there, right? You know, uh, in the private sector, you know, a lot of these large entities spend hundreds of millions of dollars to secure their customers' information. because There's a lot of critical information on there. And the state is no different, maybe on a smaller scale from like a city bank or something along those lines. But nevertheless, uh, we have court systems. We have the Department of Revenue. We have all of these uh, critical systems there that, you know, especially with the pandemic, which we learned this last spring and everything, when you've got to migrate a lot of your operations over to... Uh, web-based applications or, you know, a lot of more online, you know, like we're doing right now with Zoom and everything here, right? Or not Zoom, but different platforms here. As we go more digital, we have to secure those venues there. And it really is about it in the end is, you know, as we move forward into the 21st century, how do we better secure those systems as opposed to doing the same old thing or status quo? So this bill has gone through a couple of committee meetings in the Senate and the House. Walk us through the legislative process from bill drafting to potential passage and becoming law. Right. So I believe there's a companion bill over in the House right now. Uh, and the process is essentially this, that we've already passed it out of subcommittee here. We're having conversations with a lot of the stakeholders in this. And obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people have some insight or input on this system. So we're going to take feedback and look at the bill and figure out if there's any improvements that need to be changed. Uh, my experience is most times legislation 
very few times does something ever come out it's perfect up front right people might look at it again a comma should be here maybe redefine a term here all those possibilities so uh what will happen next and we'll continue to hear information from the stakeholders and eventually that bill will go through the state government committee here in the iowa senate uh if it passes committee then it will go to the full floor and the same for the companion bill in the house as well it would need to go through uh, the House is a different committee. They have a brand new committee this year, the Information Technologies Committee. But it would go through that committee as to, well, the full floor. And if duplicate language is passed in both chambers, then the uh, bill goes down to the governor's office. And it, uh, the governor's office was to so choose to sign the bill, then it becomes law. So uh, we're going to have to, the big key is make sure our language mirrors up there. Otherwise, we're going to have to have a conversation with the House back and forth as to how we can come to agreement. As of right now, I think believe the bills are filed the uh, same. But again, as the stakeholders come in and provide some more input, that could always change the legislative process. So you mentioned speaking with interested parties. You met with TAI's public policy committee last week to discuss this bill specifically, and they've since made the decision to register in favor. What can you tell us about additional support that you've received for the bill? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it, there's a lot of entities out there that have expressed interest in it. It's kind of unique where literally this started off as uh, probably, for lack of better words, you know, the brainchild of some senator sitting in Justice Appropriations Committee of how we can do something better. Uh, but a lot of, you know, larger technology stakeholders have certainly uh, looked at, you know, wanting to weigh in on this, whether it be Amazon, Google, uh, I've not spoken with Apple yet or anything along those lines, as well as, you know, the Hewlett Packard and Cisco's uh, yeah, so a lot of technology organizations are definitely taking a look at this there because it certainly would, uh, it could change uh, how we do our RFPs here in the state. And those are stakeholders that provide, a lot of them provide some kind of service here or would like to one way or the other. So, uh, yeah, it's, this isn't necessarily my background, but it certainly is uh, unique and uh, a neat process to have these stakeholders come there, which have, you know, far superior knowledge and resources to pull from to provide accurate information as opposed to what we would find from any one of us up here. Have you heard any opposition to the bill or do you foresee any roadblocks coming? I mean, the the, the concern which was brought up in subcommittee and will be a topic of conversation going forward is, you know, for the persons that provide information technology services, you know, you have some entities out there that are more on the hardware uh, systems and you have some that are maybe more on the web-based cloud. Uh, and, and the concern is that, you know, does the bill skew towards preferring some entities out there and the services they provide versus the other? Uh, and those are valid concerns. I mean, we're certainly not trying to rig a system here in the state to benefit a few providers here. But, you know, the, the premise of the bill and the overall goal is how do we upgrade our systems and provide safer and more secure information storage here in the state for Iowa residents. And I think hopefully if we can start with that premise, uh, we can bring the stakeholders together and maybe arrive at some uh, generally agreed upon uh, conclusion on this. Well, I really appreciate you digging into Senate File 29 with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with Iowa's technology community about your goals for session this year? This is probably for within the interest of your associates is probably the, the, one of the bigger things we'll be looking at doing the session here. But I actually just want to say in the end, uh, thanks to your association uh, for weighing in on it. You, you know, it's always, uh, it's great to have a group of people that have a variety of opinions, experiences, and maybe not from one particular 
uh, business to get unvarnished opinions and, you know, uh, a neutral opinion on this. Like as a, a policymaker, I really need to lean on individuals who have not only expertise, but have unbiased opinions there. So I just want to thank everyone in, you know, you're, you're the a group for being a resource here because you're definitely going to be a resource that policymakers are going to need going forward as we go further into the 21st century. So thank you. Senator Dawson, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for your service to Iowa and for joining us today on the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thanks. Take care. Next on the podcast, Brian Waller sits down with Jim Sherlock, Director of Information Security and Technology Implementation at Pearson. But first, a brief message from Davis Brown Law Firm. Access to broadband has never been more important. Broadband infrastructure will be a key driver of Iowa's growth in the next decade, enabling remote work and education, telemedicine, and fueling the success of businesses and industries of all sizes all across the state. Davis Brown clients are leaders within this new dynamic, delivering high speed and high quality services over future-proof networks and making Iowa's rural communities vibrant places in which to live, work, and play. Davis Brown is proud to partner with TAI, the Iowa Communications Alliance, and Iowa's community-based broadband providers to support their mission to expand broadband to all Iowans. For more information about our work to grow broadband, visit davisbrownlaw.com TAI. I'm here with Jim Sherlock, Director of Information Security and Technology Implementation at Pearson in Iowa City. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We just heard from Iowa State Senator Dawson in regards to Senate File 29, so we thought it would be interesting to bring in an Iowa technology professional who is well-versed in modernization and data security. Jim, can you briefly share with us what Pearson does and what is your role? Absolutely. So Pearson is a world learning company. Um, We have uh, more than 30,000 employees across the globe and uh, many of those here in Iowa City focusing on education and learning. Very specifically, my responsibilities are in our assessments, um, both school and clinical lines of business. So I'm responsible for uh, the safeguarding of student data and protected health information for all of our school assessments and uh, clinical assessments uh, platforms. So what's your take on Senate file 29? Yeah, I, I, uh, I appreciated the opportunity to, to be involved in the dialogue. Um, I understand not being all that connected um, to policy last year, that this is, this is a continuation of some conversations that were, uh, that were started uh, previously, you know, in reading and reading the bill, it, it seems to be fairly simple uh, and uh, and not um, not all that um, difficult to, to digest. Uh, so at its at its root, it's it's stating that the state of Iowa, uh, in their pursuit of uh, IT modernization and building secure platforms that serve uh, the taxpayers, uh, specifically from the state, that they consider cloud computing and uh, very specifically the 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 le- leveraging of cloud computing resources. Um, as a, as a core tenant of any new project or, uh, migration activities. So what, you know, what that really is, is doing is it's a reflection of, of what we've been seeing for 10 or 15 years now in industry, um, especially in the state of Iowa, that organizations are, are, uh, they've come to the realization that, 
managing their own data center, owning their own infrastructure, um, you know, spending capital on infrastructure that in, in some cases doesn't, um, you know, work for them. Um, if they're, if it's not doing work uh, is not the business they want to be in. So this is, this is really the state acknowledging, uh, something that industry and especially technology industry, um, across, across the country, but in Iowa has, has been moving towards. And I, I think in general, uh, the spirit of it is, is, uh, spot on. What is the best way to secure sensitive data? Uh, yeah, so this, this is, uh, a really, really good question. And, and in my role at Pearson, I'm, I'm responsible for safeguarding um, tens and tens of millions of, of uh, sensitive student records and, and health records. Uh, so I have the opportunity to, to kind of have this discussion with, with stakeholders all the way from the medical community to, uh, you know, state departments of ed and, and principals and teachers and, and superintendents. Um, and what, what I try to try to uh, convey you know, when we're talking about the cloud is that at, at the end of the day, like demystifying the cloud, it, it's a data center. It is, uh, you know, if you pull back the curtain, you'd probably be disappointed because you'd expect uh, there to be rainbows and, and sparkles and something magical. It, it's a data center. Uh, you know, the cloud moniker gets attached to it because um, it's not something that you directly build, maintain, control, can touch, can feel like a traditional infrastructure and architecture that that we're used to. And with that comes uh, a little bit of uncertainty um, on on behalf of any organization that's trying to move in that direction, because you kind of give up a little bit of the control when the physical data center isn't something you can touch, feel, or see. Um, But at the end of the day, it's a data center. And I always try to emphasize that these these organizations that are building these uh, data centers that form cloud computing infrastructure for public um, and private enterprise, that is their, that is their strength. Uh, they do nothing but that uh, and provide this platform. Um, there is very little chance that any organization, Pearson, of course, or, or anywhere the state um, can do the same thing, provide the same services in a more secure manner. It's not a core competency. So really what we're seeing is um, you do that really well. You provide that core competency way better than I can from a security standpoint. And then now I can build products um, with security in mind on top of that and not have to really worry about uh, a lot of the security controls that most of us uh, in the physical world would have to account for. There has been some concern that this bill is aimed to serve only large out-of-state cloud providers. What's your understanding of who will benefit from a bill like this? Yeah, I mean, I, it's if, if it's a bill in the public interest, then the public is going to benefit, uh, or they should. Or if you can't justify the benefit, then it then it might not be an endeavor worth uh, embarking upon. In this in this particular case, I think that um, the taxpayer, uh, the the citizen that entrusts the state to to protect, process, and store their sensitive data, I think that is the stakeholder that will benefit the most. Um, from something like this, because um, what what sort of declaring um, cloud computing as a strategic uh, initiative does is it it gives you the ability to build in resiliency, um, security, uh, encryption, and protection that that are very difficult to to uh, to you know provision on your own if you are uh, trying to manage the infrastructure at the same time. So you know as a as a uh, technology uh, leader in the state, uh, I see something like this and I'm, I think it's the right way to go. Um, absolutely. Um, it, it doesn't mean that like 
going to the cloud magically gives you this protection or uh, security just by the fact that you sign on the line. Like you can still do things incorrectly and, and expose yourself to um, risk and problems uh, just like you could in the physical world. But um, the underlying components um, are going to be uh, more airtight, more secure than anything that you can build. So I think from a taxpayer standpoint and a citizen, that would give me confidence that we're building on top of a, a inherently secure platform. As the state of Iowa continues to modernize government IT infrastructure, you've been part of modernization of data security within Pearson. Can you talk about the long-term return on investment you have seen or anticipate to see? Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I've, I've been interested in participating in some of the, the discourse in, in committee, both in the Senate and the house side is the, the, propensity to, to sort of latch on to cost savings as, as, uh, as a driver for the cloud. And while it's possible, um, it's easier to save money. Um, if you do it well, that, that should not be an organization or, um, you know, a state government's primary objective or reason why you would go. Um, I think the, the, the bigger reason is that it, it, it sets you up and future proofs you against uh, some of the, the pitfalls and challenges that you're going to have by not, not making a decision like this, by, by, by staying uh, the course, um, you know, hosting your own infrastructure or staying in a, in a physical data center. Um, the opportunities that this now provides uh, in this space, of course, increased security um, is, is one. But, you know, when I look at what the state is doing, there are a lot of really good initiatives in workforce development. There are some um, priorities that have been consciously chosen um, by our leaders to invest in in skills development. Our institutes of higher education um, are committed to preparing students for um, jobs like this. Um, so going to the cloud isn't just a, a decision in a vacuum. It it uh, enables an entire like technology ecosystem for uh, developers for talent uh, to manage. Um, own and operate applications in the cloud. And whether you're uh, an education company uh, like Pearson or ACT on the east side of the state, uh, you're involved in insurance or fintech in Des Moines with some of our fabulous organizations there. Um, the reason that they're building in the cloud and able to sustain that is because that is where the, the skills and that is where the, the emphasis is being placed on skills development. And I think it just uh, sets the state up for success, because that is where um, th those are the types of jobs and skills that students coming out of our, our schools are, are expecting to, to land into. What would you like Iowa legislators to know about the Iowa technology industry? I'd like them to know that there are a lot of really freaking smart people in this state. And, and it's no surprise to any of us that, that get a chance to be involved in various um, opportunities in the Technology Association of Iowa, but I, but I think it's probably easy for us to do that, to take it for granted. You know, I have the privilege of working with uh, state uh, and local governments and, and IT staff uh, across the globe. And I, nowadays I interact with IT directors who are responsible for school district networks that would have um, a really phenomenal position in, in public industry if that's where they chose to go. I mean, they, they are responsible for 75,000 student devices and the security of that. They are under regulatory obligation to protect student data. They do, they do a lot of the same stuff that, that public does or the private industry does, but they're, 
they've uh, chosen to apply their skills um, in that arena. And Iowa is no different. Uh, and I think if anything with that, we've learned from the, the pandemic and the, the move to work from home, work from remote, is that there are opportunities now for um, those that are doing uh, cloud work uh, to work in industry that is uh, all around uh, the country. You can work in Iowa, live in Iowa, and and contribute everywhere. And I think that, you know, from a skills standpoint, it would be, you know, that that is why I'm, I'm excited about this, because it it really does emphasize where infrastructure is being built, uh, you know, today. Jim Sherlock, Director of Information Security and Technology Implementation at Pearson. Thanks for joining the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. Thank you, Mitch. Brian, take care. That wraps up this episode of the Iowa Tech Policy Podcast. At TAI, we believe every Iowa company is a technology company. Join us over at technologyiowa.org to help build and unite Iowa's technology industry. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you to Shazam, Davis Brown Law Firm, and Google for making this podcast a reality. Thanks for listening.